friends, it's Harmon. You've tuned into another episode of Comedy History 101. My God, we've been off for a little bit. I've been at the Edinburgh Festival gigging away. And Scott, he's been in Berlin doing Berlin-type things. So we have another CH 101 Select for you. It's a rerun of our episode on the history of Caddyshack 2, which, for my money, is the worst movie sequel of all time. As far as comedy goes, a lot of money was put into it. It is just plain unfunny, I'll have to say, hands down. And we go into it, and we go into exactly why in this episode. A quick plug before we dive right in. I have a new book out called Tribe Spotting, Undercover Culture Stories. It's all about my true life exploits going undercover in disguise and infiltrating cultural tribalism in America. Everything from machine gun enthusiasts to furries. That sounds cool. Order it on Amazon. And without further ado. You're stupid. Everybody's so stupid. Good thing about doing comedy in Russia, you have captured audience. You're stupid. Everybody's so stupid. Comedy History 101. I love Kelly Shack too. God, that was a shitty movie. God, that was fucking horrible, dude. <laughs> but there's just so much badness in it. Um, it's not even fun bad. No. Okay. Um, holy shit. So what what you just heard uh, was uh, uh, the trailer for the movie Caddyshack 2. Um, the catchphrase of that movie, of course, the shack is back. Yes. And what you tuned into is another episode of Comedy History 101. Where we talk about the history of comedy. I am Harmon Leon, and with me, of course, is... I am Scott Kalonico from Snowmageddon. What does that mean exactly? Snowmageddon means we got snow in uh, the UK. Yeah, you, you have like an inch of snow. Yeah, we have, a, we have an inch of snow. The Beast from the East. That was the best one. That's what they're calling it. Uh, uh, the headlines of the Scotsman newspaper? Yeah, the beast, the beast from the East. Yeah, just deal with it. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, it's just people. It's like in Texas when this stuff happens. People are just freaking out. Oh, that's cool. And speaking of going crazy, um, what's, what's your take on on, on Jackie Jackie's Wacky Golf? Oh, man, I'd love to play Jackie's Wacky Golf. And they, the best part is that one hole. I don't think it was the 18th hole, but there, well, there was that one hole where it was like kind of like an urban motif I couldn't quite I couldn't quite figure out what the deal was you know it was kind of like the second to last hole when they're playing the game and they had to get it into the manhole cover do you remember that one <laughs> uh, I, I, well it, it just leads me to sort of my thesis statement about Caddyshack 2 and today uh, obviously we're going to talk about the history of the movie Caddyshack 2 is like what the fuck is this movie? <laughs> I think my my as I told you after we watched it, um, I think I have a, a feeling that a lot of this movie went up people's noses. 
<laughs> I mean, the, I mean, the the sets just look so. That's like the first thing that stuck to me was that everything looks so absolutely shit cheap. Like especially with the end, you know, to to go into the plot a little bit is a uh, the boorish uh, the boorish guy, not the snob the 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 snob no slob Jackie Mason the slob he takes over. Well, no, no, it's a yeah. classic battle in this movie of right. uh, the snobs versus the slobs. Right. Yeah, and when Jackie Mason the slob takes over, he turns everything into a, a mini golf. It turns Bushwood into a mini golf course. I want to buy Bushwood Country Club. I made up my mind. I gotta get even with these son of a bitches. Hold on a minute, Jack. A minute. Calm down. Do you want to buy a bushwood from me? That's right. That's right. Well, let me ask you this. Do I own it? And I just couldn't help but think, like, everything looked so fucking cheap. Uh, pardon my French, but it was like, everything just looked like somebody just, like, painted cardboard and thrown it up. It was like it was like this is a movie, you know. This is like you know a million dollar movie that people spent money on, and they're making cardboard sets. Well, the point is, it, it was a sequel to the nineteen eighty, you know, classic movie uh, Caddyshack, of course, which was written by Doug Kenny, who we talked about in our last episode of Comedy History One Hundred and One. Harold Ramis's first directorial debut was in Caddyshack, mm-hmm. uh, with classic performances from uh, everyone from like Ted Knight and Bill Murray to Rodney Dangerfield to even Brian Doyle Murray was good in Caddyshack. Uh, but in Caddyshack 2, which came out eight years later, uh, <laughs> a sequel, uh, 1988, it was released. Um, it, 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 it's just so fucking awful. This movie is just awful. Yeah, it's just it's it's bad on just a lot of levels. And I think, you know, to single out, and I believe he was nominated, if not one, or Razzie was Dan Aykroyd, who was just like, that is just like, that's like watching a fifth grader go into a movie. Excuse me, Mr. Something. Might I trouble you for a scalpel or some forceps or maybe even a pair of pliers? See, I had a little trouble getting out of the roughs over there, and damn if I didn't accidentally shoot myself with a poison-tipped crossbow dart. If I pull the arrow out, will, will you please suck out the poison for me? Well, that's the whole point of Kenny Shack 2 is um, it was so awful, the script, uh, everyone backed out from the original movie. You have no one from the original movie except Chevy Chase. Yeah, I mean... And, and the gopher. Yeah, but I mean, this, I, I don't know how awful the... I mean, the script was just pretty... It wasn't... It was just... I mean, I don't know how he'd say it was awful because it was more or less the same as the first movie. You know, there were just... There were no jokes in it. I mean, I, I would like to have read the script and see how much more awful it was than the actual finished product, you know? Like, did it, ha- did it have the... The script is awful. It, it, for, like, the, you have jokes like uh, uh, Jackie Mason going, the only sport equipment I'd like to be is a woman's bicycle seat. <laughs> I mean, is that was that in the script? I mean, I don't know. I'm just curious as to how... I mean, because the whole, the whole thing is just bad. Yeah. Well, where do we jump in on the bad? Well, first of all, uh, one thing I knew it was going to be bad, and this was like a, a simple no-brainer. Uh, all they had to do was open with the beloved Kenny Loggins uh, theme song to original Caddyshack. Simple. It's like you would have... 
everyone in. Everyone loves that song. It would have conjured up imagery of like how great the first one is. Uh, did they do that, Scott? No, they didn't. And that was, I mean, I'm all right. Yeah, you can't go wrong. You know, a yacht. You know, a later yacht rock rock classic. I mean, it is, yeah, it would have just set the mood just so right. But they did get Kenny Loggins for Caddyshack 2 to reprise his role as the uh, theme songwriter. Yeah, so that's what I was thinking. Why didn't they put the original I'm Alright in there? So I thought, okay, like everyone else, Kenny Loggins saw the script, and, and or they couldn't afford the licensing fee. But no, they just got Kenny Loggins to write that 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 legendary movie theme song that stands the test of time <laughs> called Nobody's Fool. Yeah. <laughs> the theme song to Caddyshack 2. Back to the shack. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a pretty, the very, the soundtrack is very, very 80s, and I did notice that. I did watch all the credits all the way through the end, and I did see that the uh, soundtrack was available, so they did put out an actual movie soundtrack for this. Oh, of course they did. They thought they thought nobody's fool was going to be the next. I'm all right. I, I did. I, there's also a uh, a surprising amount, not surprising, but just kind of uh, product placement. This is like when product placement was in full swing. Um, so there's a lot of root beer references. To hire, yeah, hire root beer. Was, so that was like the opening gag. Like one of the one of the snobs says to, okay, so before we go into that, here's why this movie is just so horrible. They couldn't get anyone to play reprise their original role, so they got actors that were sort of like the people who were in the original role. So you touched upon the point. They had uh, Dan Aykroyd playing the Bill Murray's um, role, but. But it was, uh, but not sort of doing just like a voice of an idiot. Keep your eye on the fruit. Yeah, yeah, just that was like the most embarrassed. I mean, I was actually felt embarrassed when I watched this and saw Dan Aykroyd doing his. I mean, I thought he was, you know, (laughs) because I didn't know anything about this. Like, literally, this is like, I've never seen this movie. That was the first time I ever watched it. I've never seen this movie either. Exactly. (laughs) Um, But here's the interesting, like, when I first saw Dan Aykroyd when he came on, like, I thought he was, like, that part of his voice was part of his undercover voice, and he would stop doing it after a while. (laughs) <laughs> and he knows that he keeps on doing it for the whole movie. Oh my god! So my my, my <laughs> hypothesis is like Dan Aykroyd did one day of shooting on this whole movie. Yeah, I think and he just turned up because in the opening credits it wasn't uh, also starring Dan Aykroyd. It, it was very special appearance by Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, like that's, he, how, that's how he was credited in the opening titles. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't show in until like forty minutes in the movies when he shows up. Yeah, but if you watch the trailer, you think he's in it all the way through. Because right. anyways, the only really familiar face is, is Chevy Chase, who's just sort of in it for about like five minutes as well, just kind of doing the exact same stick he did in the first movie, and Dan Aykroyd. So you would think it was a, a Dan Aykroyd, Chevy Chase uh, movie. Oh, there you are, Ty. Oh, hello, Chandler. I was looking for a... Polygrip? No, no. A uh, condom machine. 
No, that blue stuff you put your combs in. Yeah, and 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 uh, Chevy Chase, Ty Webb is sporting a uh, a diamond earring stud for some reason. Yeah, that's like <laughs> And his uh, very 80s rolled-up sleeve jacket. Oh, my God. And then Dan Aykroyd, like, one of the gags is, like, Dan Aykroyd gets hit in the butt with a foot <laughs> in the dark. And he's like, I got hit in the butt with a dart. Can you pull it out and suck out the poison? Oh. I mean, do they – so I noticed there was, like, four names on the screenplay. Did they, for that – gag, like bring in a 40-year-old <laughs> to write that out? I don't know. Maybe it was the same person that had to consult about the horse farting gag. Yeah, that wasn't the horse. <laughs> that was a joke. Um, just while you're bringing up the screenwriters, I, I discovered this little bit of trivia about one of the screenwriters. Um, Peter Torkovai who was one of the co-writers with Harold Ramis, who was a Canadian and kind of worked with the SCTV guys uh, for a little bit up there in um, Our Neighbors to the North. Uh, here's the interesting thing. Um, one of the wound up having a uh, gender reassignment surgery and became um, a woman and was uh, one of the writers for WKRP in Cincinnati, where uh, she run an award, so making her, we think, one of the first transgender um, uh, people to win um, a Hollywood award. Yeah, but but on this project, not so unfunny. No. And, and also unfunny, uh, you would think Harold Ramis. Harold Ramis, one of the original writers of uh, – actually, he was the, the original head writer of SCTV, as you might learn about in our podcast on SCTV, on the history of SCTV, right here on this podcasting channel. Um, also co-wrote uh, Animal House – with Doug Kenny and Chris Miller, was the director of the original Caddyshack. Doug Kenny wrote the screenplay, and he has a co-writing screen credit on Caddyshack 2, which in later years, wish he would get his name taken off of. <laughs> yeah, I think that was part of the stories that, that goes along with this movie, was that Ramis tried to get his name removed from the movie and the producers kind of threatened him and they said well you know if you do that your name's going to get dragged around town and you'll just look ugly yeah as opposed to your name is on the movie <laughs> and you just look ugly because it's on your the movie yeah <laughs> so you know do you just, think do you think this was like a case where there was like so many executives going uh you know with so many fingers in the pie that they just sort of you know took Reign of the script and just like uh, just tarnished it. Well, and I, I did notice this was like a, a Peters and Gruber script. They were like the Hollywood um, kind of it guys back in the eighties. Um, they did Top Gun, and there's a few off the top of my head. But they did. They were like kind of responsible for that whole kind of eighties look. I'm pretty sure they might have done Die Hard or had something to do with Die Hard as well. So they're kind of responsible. They were really big. They were at the top of the game when this movie came around, and so they probably could have done just about. It. They probably could have taken a dump and, and sold it. You know, they probably would be able to get away with just about anything. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a 
happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, and also instead of um, the director of, uh, and again, the director of the original one was Harold Ramis in his first uh, Hollywood movie um, directorial debut. Uh, they got Alan Arkush, whose big credit before uh, this movie was he directed Rock and Roll High School with the Ramones. Yeah, excellent, and um, that's, a, that's a perfectly good movie. Yeah, he, he worked out with uh, Roger Corman. That's how he kind of got his start. Um, but the other, the other interesting bit of trivia is that this is, was his last movie, Caddyshack Two. He did a lot of TV work, but uh, uh, he just yeah, he just became a TV hack director, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but but the thing is, Rock and Roll High School, great movie. Um, I would have to say a little bit dated because uh, Scott, do you remember how the movie ends? The, well, there's a big um, golf tournament. No, Rock and Roll High School. Oh, but the school blows up. No, the students blow up the school. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah that was, yeah. You can't, you can't well, really do that nowadays. No, 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 that's, yeah, no, that's, yeah. Sends the wrong message. Yeah, yeah. Whoa, I'm walking out, dude. <laughs> and he also directed uh, Heartbeats, which is Andy Kaufman. Andy Kaufman. That's when he's a ro- robot. Yeah, like Bernadette Peters. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so basically everyone associated with the original movie uh, passed on it. Like Rodney Dangerfield uh, read the script and reportedly he threw it in the trash can. Uh, so they just thought, okay, let's get uh, Jackie Mason. Yeah, that's, oh, Jackie, with his uh, his uh, kind of his shtick. He was doing his thing. That's a pretty girl over there, huh? Yes, it is. I'd just like to get her alone at the dock, huh? Well, as long as I've got your permission, sure. What's your job here? Do you remember your job? Your job here is as a lifeguard. That's why I hired you. I didn't hire you to watch my daughter. The lives. 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 You got that? Guarding lives. Every single life around this pool is your responsibility. Yes, sir. Repeat after me. Every Every single single life. You're too fast. Okay. Every Every single single life is around this pool. Oh, but, but yeah, but he just had no charm whatsoever. And, and, and ironically, not ironically, but uh, if, if Rodney Dangerfield would have said yes to being in the movie, they would have got Sam Kennison to play <laughs> his role, which um, they would have got. They would have got Sam Kennison to play the Randy Quaid role, because you notice, you notice when the Randy Quaid character in the movie he plays Jackie Mason's lawyer, he screams a lot. I don't go in for lawsuits and motions or any of that legal stuff no no see see what happens is uh i find out where you live and then i come to your house see and i beat down your door with a fucking baseball bat and then i'm gonna make a bonfire with a chippendale maybe crush that golden retriever yeah no oh, that's okay i get it yeah that the whole um I wasn't really buying the Quaid thing. Yeah, but you could have seen like uh, Sam Kennison being the screamy lawyer. Yeah, yeah, that was definitely well. That was definitely the thing when he was like he'd be on the phone when uh, Quaid would be on the phone trying to be all like negotiating and then start screaming at the end. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I mean, that's that's the thing is that there's never I don't think there's been a sequel with a two on it that's ever not been shit. I mean, is is there? 
Yeah, Godfather Two. Godfather Two. Okay, other than Godfather Two, and that um, was those were and those were like Roman numerals though. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So again, without the original characters, uh, I would say it's not really a sequel, but just a different chapter in the Caddyshack saga. Okay. It's like a. It's like a. Um, <laughs> it's like a parallel universe. Yeah, because it's like all these different characters. All these characters you got to know in the first movie. Uh, none are there except Chevy Chase. Yeah, that was the, so there's nowhere you're not coming back, but you're coming back to Bushwood though. But it didn't seem like the same Bushwood. Yeah, it just seemed like they got a different set. Yeah, well, I mean that was the thing. Like whereas in the first Caddyshack, um, you know, you felt like you're in a real place, and this one, it felt like everything felt like a set. Like even when they were walking in that uh, country club, it was like everything just felt like a one big set. Some other characters that that were in the movie instead of the original, uh, instead of Ted Knight, who at the time was deceased, he passed away. They got Robert Stack, who became famous, you know, largely in in, in his later years because he was in the airplane movies. Yeah, which made me every time I saw him in this movie, I just wanted to maybe want to watch Airplane again. Oh yeah, he was good in that. He wasn't he. <laughs> uh, instead of Michael O'Keefe, who was you know pretty much. Would you say Michael O'Keefe was the star of Caddyshack? Well, that's the whole thing. I mean, the, nominally, the story was about him, kind of. You know, that was he was the the hero on the journey, but nobody cared about him. You know, and when you watch the movie, yeah. yeah so instead of him, they had uh, uh, Jonathan Silverman. So <laughs> from from correct me if I'm wrong, Weekend at Bernie's. And, and we get a birdie, too, yes. Well, I won't be a caddy all my life. I'm going to car wash school in the fall. Yeah, and, and he was always like a poor man's Matthew Broadwick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he was like... Um, so he got already a poor man somebody else to be a poor man's Michael O'Keefe. Yeah, that's just like... <laughs> yeah, it was the... Uh, Jonathan Silverman, you know it's it's not going to be good. Sorry, Sorry, Jonathan, if you're listening. So I think how they really missed the mark is uh, it, they didn't even consider what the title is. It's called Caddy Shack, and, and Caddy Shack One was all about the caddies and the Caddy Shack. Right. Yeah. If you think about the movie, it's all about Brian Doyle Murray, who was great in, in the original Caddy Shack. He was the head caddy. It was all about this sort of life of these caddies, and then on the circumference of the caddy story was all the crazy characters like Rodney Dangerfield and Bill Murray and and all that. But it's called Caddy Shack. It was all about the caddies and a sort of a coming of age story. Um, in Caddy Shack Two, they sort of touched on that, like. It, shoehorn that in massively. But Jonathan Silverman, he was just like in the movie for like 10 minutes, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, he was no, uh, you know, yeah, a lot of the movie was given over to uh, Jackie Mason and his uh, wacky ways and uh, Randy Quaid. And here's another theory that goes back to one of our episodes is uh, the, the, the purpose and, and, and the value of the straight man in comedy. So there wasn't really a straight man in Caddyshack 2. In Caddyshack 1, you had Michael O'Keefe, and you had that storyline that weaved through that, and that kind of grounded all the other wacky performances. Here it's centered on Jackie Mason with um, Jonathan Silverman as just kind of a minor sort of B-story. 
Yeah, well, I would say that Robert Sack was kind of your straight man. He was kind of like your... Well, you know, this is the thing, though. Ted Knight was still pretty damn funny, you know, even though he was being a straight man. No, Ted Knight was hilarious yeah. in that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say Ted Knight was the straight man in that, because he was like... God. Yeah, yeah, but that was, but he was being the straight man because straight men will still have the funny lines, you know. They're the ones that like are telling everybody, you know, giving yeah. everybody the orders. Yeah, but Ted Knight was larger than life in uh, in the original Caddyshack. I stick with it. He was a straight man, but he was a funny one. I'll stick by that. I don't know. I just thought, you know, Michael Keith, you know, by far, that was like the straight man. That was like sort of, you know, if you cut out all the characters, you still had a movie about following Michael Keith. Yeah, I mean, you would, but he was, I wouldn't, see, now we're talking about the version between straight man and the main character. Right. Right, yeah, I would say, yeah, he's definitely the main character. He's not necessarily, he is a straight man as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I would say Ted Knight would fit into the wacky straight man mode. Well, it just seemed like a cash-in sort of thing because, yeah. again, all the stars pulled out and they just thought, okay, we'll just put lesser-known stars to play what uh, everyone remembers as the bluff characters. Yeah, and then it was just like, yeah, I mean, I knew we were in a ba- we were in for a bad, uh, a bad, a bad movie when they first thing you see as the gopher. Yeah, because both Bill Murray and Doug Kenny hated the gopher. Yeah. <laughs> well, not, I don't know about Bill Murray because he played a lot of scenes with the gopher, but uh, Doug Kenny hated the gopher in the original Caddyshack. Actually, it's an interesting trivia bit about uh, Bill Murray that I was reading about that. So Bill Murray, actually, you're, you're right. He didn't hate the gopher because he was one of the guys who kind of helped come up with the whole uh, kind of subplot there of the gopher. Um, I think a lot of the executives, after they had some screenings of the Caddyshack, they were like, hey, it's all pretty fun. Funny, but we need something to kind of tie the whole movie together. So Bill Murray and some other people, and they kind of came up with that gopher story. And actually, when they reused the gopher in Caddyshack 2, Bill Murray sued the studio and settled out of court. Really? Yeah. For just, like, what, uh, stealing his idea? Yeah, or? I think so. Must so, like, he, yeah, for, for stealing his idea. So I guess he must have had something to do, you know, obviously with the gopher. He must have, you know, had a little soft spot for the gopher. Yeah, and and like you're saying, uh, I knew also uh, we were in trouble with the movie when it opens with the gopher (laughs) and and the feed to Jaws. Yeah, that's that's always not good. But here's another thing while we're on it. um, Like in this movie, you can actually kind of hear the gopher speak, and this is a little bit of trivia I dug up as well. The the person who does the the gopher's voice, Mm -hmm. are you sitting down over there, Harmon? Uh, yes, I am. Right yeah, by right. my microphone. All right. Uh, it's the same guy who does the voice for, for Fred in Scooby-Doo. Wow. Yeah, the same original guy. There you go, getting yeah. some work. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but, okay, so let's talk about just things we just absolutely hated in this movie. Um, what underlying thing is, like, uh, I sort of noticed this, where Robert Stack... Yeah, I would say this a lot to Jackie Mason. We don't like your kind here. Um, so I was, I, maybe I was overthinking that. Like, Jackie Mason's Jewish, and there's a long history of Jewish people not being allowed in country clubs. Were they trying to be political on that? <laughs> yeah, but they were all they, – they could have been were there. They or weren't they? I don't know, but he was also, like, Armenian, Hartunian, mm-hmm. you know? So there, that might have – but, you know, he could have been the Armenian – uh, Jew, I guess. 
Yeah, but uh, were they trying to be that, or was it just because he's a slob and they're the snobs? Ah, hmm, that's a good question. Hmm. I think that was just sort of brushed over. I think they were more offended that he was a slob rather than uh, his religion. I think that was that. Plus, also, it was the, it was he had money and he wasn't using it in the right way. He was building low income housing, which was uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, in the opening thing, it's like. Um, they to, to establish his character, he's playing poker with his workers on the construction site, and we see that he has four aces, and he folds so one of his construction workers can win his money in the hand. Yeah, and 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 kind of thereby he's kind of like donating money to them. Yeah, like he's good-hearted. But well, okay, well, why do you pay your workers more? <laughs> why do you have to flamboozle them into playing <laughs> poker to show that you're a nice guy? Okay, oh, racer. Wages. Uh, interesting thing, but the uh, the guy who who wins the money actually in Spanish says he says my family thanks you. Yeah. Ah, so yeah. he was a good guy. Yeah, he was a good guy. So Jackie's a good guy, um, and uh, wants to. He doesn't want to be in the country club as much as his daughter wants to be in the country club. That's right. That's right. Because she was a social climber. Yeah. Um, also, uh, who also disappears somewhere in the movie, uh, Jackie's sidekick at the beginning on the construction site uh, was Marsha Warfield from Night Court. TV's Night Court. Yes. Yeah. She. Well, she's just there. Like she can only exist on the construction site. I think. But you think <laughs> when he opens Jackie's Wacky Golf, she would somehow get a job involved in that? Yeah. She or would help sh- with the construction of that. She would show back up. Yeah, I mean, that's that was the whole – again, that, that's the thing that really kind of bugs me. I don't know why it bugs me so much, but it does. Just the whole cheap artifice of Jackie's wacky golf. I mean, just, everything just looked like so, such shit, you know. It was just like it was cardboard. They had some PAs set it up, and it was just like, you guys, you know, you guys couldn't even do a halfway decent job for a movie. Yeah, and then you have uh, Randy Quaid showing up with a boombox and uh, wearing uh, green shorts. Perhaps you can turn the music down, you idiot. Oh, yeah, right. What do you say I join you for a little small ball, huh? Hey, have a pull-off of that if you want. Yeah, What's going on here? <laughs> and then trying to play hockey, hockey but golf. What are you, What are you doing, dude? Yeah, I I, I would have to on that sort of uh, incident. I would have to side with the the, the snobs. <laughs> yeah, that was, well, I think I would just he, he kind of fucked up the golf course <laughs> a little bit. And the the one thing just kind of leaped into my mind. I forgot about this. The one thing is after. Um, uh, so it turns out, this is kind of a trick thing that I didn't notice, is that uh, Jackie Mason and Robert Stack have the same car. They have the same Mercedes, uh, Rolls Royce. Right. Which I got confused by because um, at one point Dan Aykroyd is set to – he's going to blow up uh, Jackie Mason's Rolls Royce. But blows oh, he blows up the wrong one. And eight. Robert Stack was okay with that. Yeah. Yeah, he was fine. But the, that, <laughs> that scene ends with Dan Aykroyd just going – Remember when he's looking over the fence? It's just like. <laughs> and again, my theory: uh, Dan Aykroyd only had to show up for one day of shooting. Yeah, no, he was like, well, look how many scenes he was in by himself. Yeah, exactly. They could have done that anywhere. 
Well, there's a bunch during the day, and there's something at night. So I just figure that's one day of shooting for Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, and then the and then the that was the other cheap thing. Did you go back to the cheap set things? Is when he first meets. When Robert Stack and Dan Aykroyd first meet, and they're kind of, oh, it looks supposed to be like a skid row area. Our mutual friend told me to meet you here. Captain Tom Everett, United States Marine Corps, item 58, Company A, retired. Expecting someone with some sort of vehicle, but not this. <laughs> and and there's like the, the punk rockers who are like, they're barely kind of in the background. They've got skulls on their jackets and stuff. The ones, right. that, <laughs> the ones that steal all the uh, wheels from from Robert Stack's uh, uh, Rolls-Royce, but it's just right. like, again, just like that, the, the Skid Row area just looks like such, I mean, it was such a studio backlot that you could just tell. Yeah, yeah, it just, it was just all really cheap. Uh, they didn't center on the, the thesis statement of the original movie, which was Caddyshack. It's about the caddies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, this is, um, and uh, we don't even know what happened to the caddy, dude. Yeah, at the end, I guess it, he got the girl, did he? I, I don't know. I don't. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was... Jackie Mason's daughter. Yeah, and then, then for some reason, like, the, the Robert Stack's wife just goes to their daughter, like, you're a stuck-up bitch, and pushes her? No, no, she just says she calls her a stuck-up bitch. Yeah, and then she falls down the hill. No, no, that was see that. Oh, hold on, don't 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 get confused. First, the mom comes up and says, "You're your mom comes up to her and tells her she's a stuck up bitch." And then um, the uh, the Jackie Mason's daughter tells her she's, and then she punches her, and then she falls down the hill. And that daughter was played by China Phillips of the. Would it be rock band or pop band? Well, let's go with pop. Yeah, yeah. She she was John Phillips' um, daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then I guess sister, some type of sister to Mackenzie Phillips. Yeah, stepsister. Okay. Yes. From one stepsister or half sister. Right. From one day at a time. Yeah, and uh, what's her name? Obviously, from the mamas and papas is her mother. Yeah. Yeah, one day at a time. Like this movie plays a, a stuck-up bitch, right. according to that. Oh, and, and another thing that was just played horrible in this movie was was the really forced uh, romance where it's almost like a romantic comedy between Jackie Mason and Diane Oh, Kim. yeah, that was – and they, they hit it off right away. Yeah. Because she liked him. As he, you would with Jackie Mason. Right, because she was um, – she wasn't all. She wasn't stuck up like the rest of the the club. Yeah, but you know she could go other places than her country club. Yeah, I know, but we don't know that. We never see her go. No, they're just stuck socially at their country club. Yeah, that's it. That's it. They can, yeah, you would think she would join another country club if she was if it was that if stuck she didn't up. Like the people. Yeah. No. <laughs> we we don't even find anything about her backstory, do we? No, she's just in there, and then she turns up at Jackie Mason's house. And he's in the bathroom, and he's going out to get rid of the clear, and the handle in the bathroom. Oh, my oh, God. I so don't know why. He works in construction, right? <laughs> Jack? Jack, shall I get that? What are you doing out there? I just wanted to see what it would feel like to come home to you every night. So he, he climbs out the window. Yeah, so, and then falls down. Yeah. Oh, gosh. What a classic. I know what a classic mix-up. 
Oh, my God. So, in summary, any other takeaways or tidbits of uh, uh, trivia on it? Oh. Um, it? It won the Razzie Award for Worst Movie of, of, of 88. Okay. All right. Interesting. That was good. I think it's a well-deserved Razzie. I would say this was actually one of the more painful movies I've had to watch. Yeah, not even bad in a good way. Just bad in a in a what are people kind of thinking and felt bad for for Dan Aykroyd because you knew he was better than this and felt bad. No, Dan Aykroyd chose that voice. No one said do that voice. No one stepped in and said, don't do that voice. Yeah. They, they thought he was doing a good job. Yeah, so somebody... The whole point is, it's just like, well, Bill Murray was like that. Let's just get Dan Aykroyd to be like that. You would think Bill Murray would step in and, you know, I assume they're friends. Yeah, <laughs> he would have said, hey, man, just uh, can you uh, yeah, just take it down a notch or two. Yeah, but it, it, it was just awful. <laughs> You know, I think this kind of ties into, this is like kind of the fans, our fan theory that you were bringing up. And the fact that um, <clears throat> the original Caddyshack uh, character of Carl Spangler is, uh, was in fact a Vietnam veteran. Yeah, but in this movie, uh, Ackroyd is a, a veteran. He is a vet- Vietnam veteran. But I think, you know, I think that's kind of to, to tie it back into the Caddyshack 1. I think maybe they're trying to, you know, continue the thing. But, like, I don't think nobody – I'll give you credit for this. I don't think anyone's brought that up before. Well, it just made me think of it because Dan Ackroyd in this movie is playing a vet. Yeah. So I think, okay, that sort of makes sense for – Bill Murray, because yeah. he wears camouflage army stuff. Yeah, and here's the other thing, because I was, went back and watched the original Caddyshack, so we can add, we can make a video about this dude, put it on the YouTube, we'll get tons of hits. But yeah. in, in the original, remember when uh, when um, Bill Murray is telling the Dalai Lama story? Yeah, I think okay. so, yeah. Yeah, he's, so he's telling that to a caddy, which is actually, that's kind of the funny part, because you forget that, like, he's actually, he's holding a pitchfork in his hand, and he keeps tapping the caddy on the throat with it to, during the story, <laughs> yeah. which is kind yeah. of the funny part, there's like this little bit of tension, but Bill Murray starts the story off by going, so I, he says, uh, so I stepped off the boat in Hong Kong, which is like, you know, okay, he's ha- hanging around the southern, you know, the southern uh, Pacific down there. Right. right. Where you might be after you were in Vietnam, a lot of people would go to Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think we've, we're on to something. <laughs> I don't think it's like those dots are not too far apart, but yeah. No, I don't think so. Well, I would look, they had the scene in the in the movie where, where Bill, uh, what's his name, uh, Ty Webb, to tie it back into Caddyshack 2, goes into um, um, Bill Murray's place, and you know he's hitting the golf ball through, and he's trying to play through. So I was given the, the the apartment over a once over to see if there's any kind of Vietnam memorabilia. In there. But <laughs> I, I didn't see I didn't see anything. Anything that gives us a little clue clue into his character. Yeah. So once again, um, it, it won two Razzie Awards uh, for worst original song, but it's telling me that original song was called Jack Fresh. <laughs> which isn't the original song, uh, the Kenny Loggins opening, which is Nobody's Fool. Okay. Hmm. Maybe someone out there, a listener, could uh, fill us in on that. You could, you could tell us in the comments. We, or would they, do you think they could maybe even win a copy of your book? <laughs> I could tell them how to purchase it on Amazon. Oh, maybe yeah. Meet the deplorables. Oh, yeah. they can they can they can win an ebook copy. Yeah, there you go. That's what I'm saying. I'm yeah, trying you to. Get a, you'll win an ebook copy. If yeah. You can tell us uh, why. What 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 part of Caddyshack two did the song Jack Fresh? 
Okay. All right. Yeah, that's so think you're going to prime the pump a little bit, you know. And not surprising, uh, Dan Aykroyd won a Razzie for Worst Supporting Actor. Yeah, I would have to give it to him. I actually, as soon as he set up the tripod and he started bending over, I knew what was about to happen. Yeah, but he did, like, some of the same jokes that Bill Murray did. Yeah, I know. Like, the old lady bends over, he yeah. does the same old, oh, and you're teasing me with your skirt or yeah. something like that. <laughs> same joke. Uh, same character. Worst voice. Yeah, worse, much worse voice, dude. I, I think just in summary, this is probably the worst sequel in movie history. I'd say it's pretty bad, yeah. I will, I'll, I'll it's put it up there. It's almost as bad, almost in the same genre as Meatballs 2 or 3, uh, which also didn't have any of the original cast. And you're just left with not a sequel, but a different saga in, in the Meatballs ongoing story. Oh, my God. Meatballs 2, that might have to be the next one. Yeah. No, 3. I think 3 has... Uh, uh, the Corey yeah. Haim? Corey Feldman. Okay, Feldman. Okay, yeah. Yeah, because uh, I did some research, and Corey Feldman does a Michael Jackson dance in Meatballs 3. Okay, yeah, so I think that we'll have to put that on the agenda then. Yeah, that, that could be on the plate. But okay. I think that just about does it of the history of Caddyshack 2, unless you have anything more to add. No, I think that was about all the Caddyshack 2 I can handle for a while. The man. Shack is back. <laughs> the Shack is back, indeed. So anyways, if you like the podcast, be sure to comment, be sure to subscribe, be sure to even donate. Uh, you can find the archives for all the Comedy History 101 podcasts on our website, wordsoverchair.com. Anything you like to plug, Scott? Um, no, just I am doing my own podcast. Or Harmon's joined me on my podcast. This is the President, which you can also find over at wordsoverchair.com. Uh, this week's episode is going to be a very special episode with uh, Jimmy Carter and uh, Walter Cronkite. So you, that's one you're not going to want to miss. There you go. And thank you once again for tuning in to another episode of Comedy History 101. Thanks a lot, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. You're stupid. Everybody's so stupid. Good thing about doing comedy in Russia, you have captured the audience. You're stupid. Everybody's so stupid. Comedy History 101.